Hey, before we start as well, I want to show you something. This was Friday night. If you can put up, there's two pictures. This was really cool. Oh, that you can't really see. Can you go to the second one? <laughs> Maybe that's a little brighter. There we go. Um, so this was, this was the start of Fervent 24, and this was really cool. We just, it was about 65 people maybe out here at this time, and uh, as we, what we did is we just worshipped over the property, and this is where we believe the Lord is calling the Worship and Prayer Center, which is the Apostolic Strategy Center uh, for this region and for the nations, uh, but that it's going to be right there, and that is as you drive in just on the left-hand side, there's a stake in the ground, there's 12 stones that are there, uh, and and we just spent this time worshiping the Lord and thanking Him. And there were prophetic words, there was song, there was prayer. Uh, and a lot of the youth were there, which is really cool, even the ones that you saw up here, and, uh, and just prophesying into this. And we really believe this is not just something, it's, it's, we're going to establish this in our generation, but this is for the next generation, and this is for the generations to come. And so how cool that this is the time that the Lord has said, Now's the time to do this. And there's so many words that, that have been spoken into this that have just confirmed uh, that we're moving forward now. We've broken the ground, in a sense, uh, prophetically, and, uh, and now we're moving forward. We're, we're starting with meetings and uh, to, to basically plan this out and build. So that's exciting, right? All right, here we go. The message this morning is becoming an overcomer. And, uh, and it's kind of tied to what we talked about last week, which was we are overcomers. But the thing is, is sometimes what we are and what we think we are and realize we are and what we're walking in can be different, right? Like we go, we're overcomers, but we're getting beat up. <laughs> How many of us know we're overcomers and are getting beat up? <laughs> I think that's a lot of us. I know that's a lot of us. Uh, so I feel this morning the Lord just has been showing me some areas in the how. How do we actually become overcomers? What are some of the, the things, some of the practical things, but some of the, it's the mindset shifts that have to happen as well to actually become an overcomer? So let me pray. Lord, most importantly, by your spirit, would you bring a spirit of wisdom and revelation into this place, into our hearts this morning? Lord, it's by your spirit that truth is revealed. I can get up here and speak, but it's by your spirit that truth is revealed to the hearts of people. So, Lord, we just ask for your spirit to move. By your word, would you pierce the hearts of all of us? Would you reveal your truths to all of us? That we may truly become overcomers for your kingdom. In Jesus' name. So the first thing, there's four things. And I'm going to try to move at a fairly quick clip here, but there's four things that I feel like the Lord uh, just wanted to highlight. There's, there's others, so this is not... Sometimes <laughs> Christy was, and I were talking about this, and she's like, you don't have to preach everything in one message. <laughs> I have this tendency of like, I want to make sure I cover it all. I don't want to miss anything. And so there's going to be parts where I may... <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I see who's clapping out there. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm only going to preach half the Bible today. I'll preach the other half next week. Oh, no. The first thing is that we would know God's will. And, and this is a big one. So 
I'm going to hit on this, but not in every aspect. Because um, you go, oh gosh, the will of God. This is a big topic. You could spend days on this. Uh, but at a high level, what this is, is this is God's desire. It's his plan. It's his purposes. It's his thoughts about us and about this earth. It's what he thinks about this earth. It's what he thinks about us. It's his will. And so let me say it this way. When, when he created the heavens and the earth, he did this because it was his will to do so. And when he spoke, he spoke his will. And guess what happened? Things came into existence, right? There wasn't any question. When God says, let there be light, there was light. When he said, let the land produce vegetation, the land produced vegetation. And you can go through, uh, when he separates the waters from the dry ground, it separates. When he creates the stars and the sun and the moon, they're created. And the animals and the fish and men and man and woman, or he creates man and woman, he calls, and it's man. So it's, anyway, we won't get into that. That's staying away from that. He creates all these things and they come into existence without question, right? This is God's will. It's his overarching will, and it's done by his commands. When he commands, things happen. But here's the crazy part. Then he creates man, and he gives man authority to rule. He gives man authority to be the overcomer on the earth, to take dominion over everything on the earth, right? But then he gives us commands. But in those commands, there is a difference because they don't just happen. It's actually up to us to make them happen. And, and you go, wait a minute, this is God of the universe. He speaks and universes are created. Worlds are created. Things happen. But when he commands to us, we go, hmm, let me think about that. That's crazy. In my mind, that is crazy that we would even think about that, right? That we wouldn't go, Oh, when God commands, we obey. In Genesis 3.1, Satan comes into the picture. This is after the earth is created, right? And the very first words of Satan to Eve are this. Did God really say? What was, what was the enemy doing right there? Did God really say? He was putting doubt in the minds of us to say, are those really the commands of the Lord? Is that really what God said? Do we really need to listen to the Father's commands? Do we really need to listen to His voice? Or is there a better way? Our job on this earth, and I'm going to kind of jump around a little bit, but our job on this earth is to actually co-labor with the Father, and to bring His will to earth. This is, this is what it's all about. And so, let me read this scripture here. In, uh, in Psalm 8, 4 through, 4 through 6, David says this. And, and it's, I just, David had an understanding of what the Lord has done and how, how He created us and the, the authority that we have. And he says, what is mankind that you are mindful of him? Human beings that you actually care for them. You have made them a little lower the angels than the angels, and you have crowned them with glory and honor. You have made them rulers over the works of your hands. 
So basically, the Father has given us this authority. He's delegated it to us. He still has ultimate authority, but he's delegated this authority to us. It says that he has put everything under our feet. Now, we kind of messed that up in the garden, right? What happens is, is we actually make a choice to not obey his commands, and we make a choice to go a different direction and hear another voice and begin to obey those commands. And it brings us out of the right standing with the Father, and we actually, out of that, we begin to lose that authority that we had from the very beginning. Let me say it this way. Uh, as an example of God's will is with the Israelites, when you see the Israelites, uh, since we've been in this, talking about the Israelites crossing over the Jordan, but as they're in as they're in Egypt and they're coming out of Egypt, God's will, his ultimate will, was that they would go into the promised land, right? That's what he said. So here's the will of God is that they go into the promised land. But what happens to the first generation? They walk in disobedience. They walk in unbelief. And they don't enter into the promised land. Was that God's will? No. So what happens is we have the ability to actually not have God's will happen in our lives. But God's ultimate will, what happened with the Israelites, is they still entered into the promised land. It just wasn't that generation. Luckily, the second generation got it. It could have gone third, fourth, fifth, who knows. But the second generation, they actually understood, oh, we need to obey the commands of the Lord. We need to walk in His ways. We need to consecrate ourselves. We need to renew that covenant with Him and stay in that place. And they did, and they walked through, and they get the promised land. In this, it's the same thing for us in this day and age, that there, there are promises for us. There is an ultimate promise for us. But God's will will not supersede our will for us individually. We have the ability to choose whether we walk in His commands or not. You got it? This is the first part. I just, we, need to, we need to understand this. And the cool part is, I was talking to Christy about this, I feel like it's kind of like a video game in the sense of really dumbed down, of course. But by His grace now, we have multiple chances. And so it's like when you're playing those games like Pac-Man, and, you're, you know, and you make it to the third level, and then boo doo 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 Luckily, you've got another life, and so you can just get right back in there and, and keep on going. And I feel like, like by His grace, man, when we mess up now, it's not like a once and done. We get to, we get to repent, come back into that place, and go, God, okay, I'm going to go after your commands. Let's do this again. You don't have to start over at the beginning. You can stay where you are, and now you're moving forward and still pressing into the kingdom. Here's a scripture I want you to see. In Romans 6, I'm going to read this out of the Passion. It's 16 through 18, and it says, Don't you realize that grace frees you to choose your own master? So this is the grace that we have. We actually get to choose our own master now. But it says, But choose carefully, for you surrender yourself to become a servant bound to the one you choose to obey. So even now, choose carefully. Choose carefully what will you're going to actually follow, what commands you're going to actually follow. If you choose to love, and that's, that word also is encompassed in obey, sin, it will become your master, and it will own you and reward you with death. But if you choose to love and obey God, His plans, His purposes, His will, if you choose to do this, 
he will lead you into perfect righteousness. It's a, it's a powerful description, and like you get this picture of we actually get to choose. And so it's knowing the will of God and then beginning to walk in that, and that's the second part of this. The, the other scripture I just want to say here is it's in Matthew 7, 21, and Jesus says this. He goes, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. He says, he goes on to say, only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. So there's something very important about actually doing the will of God. Okay. I think we got that part, I'm hoping. So know the will of God. The second part is actually walking in obedience to his commands. And here's what I want to say to this, is that in order to walk in obedience to, to his commands, what's the first step? What's the first thing we need to know? What are the commands? Right? What, what are his commands? And I think, well, let me just say it this way. His commands, they're in this book called the Bible. <laughs> let me introduce some of you guys to the Bible. <laughs> this is, I, and I talk about this almost every week, and I, I can't talk about it enough. I, I'm like, I, if we open this thing and we devour this thing, it will change our lives. I promise you. We have, here's what we need to do. We got to stop with the television. We got to stop with all the other stuff that actually is meaningless in life. And focus on this. Because when we open this up, we actually get the will of God right here. His will is in his commands. When we follow his commands, we actually follow his will. How many commands do you think there are in the New Testament? Typically we go, well, there's, we know the one, love the Lord your God with all your Heart, soul, mind, strength, right? And then love your neighbor as yourself. And then sometimes we'll remember the one, go and make disciples of all nations, but we don't really like that one. We'll stick with the other one. <laughs> Let's just love. Let's just stick with the love. There's actually over a thousand commands. There's a thousand fifty commands in the New Testament alone. You guys know all thousand fifty commands? We actually should. Now, I'm with you. I, I don't know them all. I printed them off, though. I've got them right here. 1,050 commands of the Lord. This is in the New Testament alone. And, and here's the thing. A lot of times what we do, this is the, this is the lies of the enemy. I, I see this. Is, is I hear this. And I've, I've heard this in my own mind and in my own thoughts. It's like, you know, we don't need all the commands, like all these laws, all these rules anymore. Now we have the Holy Spirit. We just, we're led by the Holy Spirit. And, and then we hear, you know, we're under the new covenant. We have grace. So we don't need to, like, focus in on the commands. We don't need to know all these commands, right? I, all, we know that we need to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we love others. And that's it. There's a big problem with that. And it's a lie of the enemy. And it's a half-truth. This is what the enemy does. He's very good at the half-truths. He... He's right that we need to know those things, but there are 1,048 other commands in that Bible, in this Bible, in the New Testament, that I don't think were just written, you know, because the Holy Spirit was like, oh, this is good, but we'll never actually need to look at it. 
No, there is something that we actually need to know in here that when we begin to get the whole picture, we begin to understand the will of God. The, uh, it's funny because you hear this a lot. Uh, Jesus, you know, says, like, these are the commands. He didn't actually say uh, that, that you just need one commandment or that you just need the two commandments. What he said was that love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the most important one. It says this is the greatest of the commandments. He didn't say so disregard all the other ones. And this is what I feel like that we need to get this. We need to understand this. And if we do, if we begin to go in and devour this and look at, oh, wow, there's some commands in here. There's some warnings in here. There's some things I need to know in here. And as we study this, we begin to get the will of God. And then we begin to obey his commands. When I was growing up, I, I, was, I became a Christian at the age of four. I didn't know all of his commands. I didn't all of a sudden go, boom, I got it. Here we go. That, it was just the beginning of a journey that I had of walking in his ways. And I can tell you that for many years, I didn't walk in his ways. I thought I loved the Lord. I was like, yeah, I love God. But in the midst of it, I was doing things that were going completely against his will. And, and ultimately, when we continue down that road, it leads to death. But when we turn from those ways and when we begin to understand the word, we begin to understand his will for our life and the commands that he has, these commands are so that we would live a life abundantly on this earth and that we would live with an eternal perspective. So when we begin to have that understanding, when we shift this mindset and we go, oh, actually, I do need these commands and I need to walk in them. And we do it by the Spirit. This is where the Spirit comes in. It says we walk in step with the Spirit. We live by the Spirit. It says we, uh, we're led by the Spirit. And yes, but we have to have the Word of God. It's, his, it's, it's the God-breathed Word. Like this Word is so critical to our lives. And I think a lot of times too is we, we take this out and we just go, Holy Spirit, help us. And we're like, ah, we're in another bind. What do we do? Well, if we got into the Word, I believe the Holy Spirit would reveal things to us, but we actually have to get this Word in our heart. Okay, let me say this. Even love, we talk about love, right? Love's the big one. If we get love, we got it all. If you actually go to 1 Corinthians 13 and you look at love, let me explain this. There's actually 15 commands just in love itself. Love isn't just love. It's not a feeling. It's actually an action. And it requires this. It requires patience. It requires kindness. It requires that we don't envy, that we don't boast. It requires that we're not proud, that we're not rude, that we're not self-seeking, that we're not easily angered, that we don't remember any wrongs. I hate that one. I, <laughs> like, but we have to remember the wrongs. <laughs> no. Love actually requires that you don't remember any wrongs. Love rejects evil. It pursues truth. If you have love and you're pursuing truth, what are you going to have to do? You got to read the Word. This is the truth. It's the truth that sets us free. It says that love always protects. It always trusts. That's another hard one. It always hopes and it always perseveres. And the perseverance comes in the times of tribulation and the times of struggles and the times of suffering. Ew, that's love? <laughs> right now, now you get a bigger perspective of what love is. Love is not that feeling, that mushy-gushy feeling that we have you know, when we're with our spouses, hopefully, right? Anyway, 
That was a joke. <laughs> you guys, we don't have to be, okay. We can lighten up. We don't have to be too serious. This is a serious message, though. <laughs> Sorry. Um, even in the book of John, let me just say, you know, John talks, we'd say that's like, it's the book on love, right? John talks about love. In, first, in, Corinthians, or in, uh, in John 15, he says, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. If you obey my commands. In 1 John 5, he says, this is how we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. And then he says, for this is love for God to obey his commands. Says it again in 2 John 6. He goes, and this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. So I'm, I'm hoping we get this picture here that, that our love for God is actually an action of obedience to his commands, to his will. When we love God, we actually walk in obedience, but we have to know the commands. We can't walk in obedience to something we don't know. So there is a critical part on our part that we would open this, these scriptures, that we would begin to understand the commands of the Lord. And the Holy Spirit, when we open this up and we eat this stuff up, when we start to devour this, when we start to pray into this, when, we, when the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit does is brings things to our attention. We'll be reading something, all of a sudden it'll be like something just punched us in the gut or it jumped off the page or, or something. And, and it's like that's the Holy Spirit just quickening our spirit and saying, oh, that's when you need to focus on right now. And he'll bring things to remembrance. But if they're not ever in there, if, they're, if we don't have them, he's not going to bring them to remembrance. We, we think, oh, we'll just, the Lord will just tell us the scriptures. We have to actually study the scriptures. I'm sorry. It, it actually takes some effort on our part. And, and I'm with you guys. Let me just say, I'm not trying to preach at you. I'm preaching with you because I'm in a season now of devouring this thing. But I, this is not something I've been doing all my life. I wish I have. I'm telling my kids, Get in your Bibles now. Study the Word now. I'm like every morning, now we get up in the mornings and we do Bible studies together. We read the Word. We ask the Lord to give us revelation in it. And it's amazing what's happening. It's amazing that my, I mean, I'll be with my son. <coughs> Excuse me. Caitlin's with, um, with Christy. Aaliyah, our seven-year-old, she's still asleep. Um, but, uh, but there's revelation that he gets that I'm like, oh, I got to write that down. That's so good. And just because they're younger than us and even like less, I don't know, have less knowledge of the word, the Holy Spirit will speak through them in amazing ways. And it's like, so if, you're, if you have kids, man, walk with them. If, if, even if you don't have kids, get your spouse or get a friend or get someone and just start studying the word together. It will stir your hearts. I mean, I spend time just in preparation with Christy and the first thing we do is just lay everything down and we just ask the Lord to speak to us. And it's amazing. We did this on Friday, I think it was Friday, and for like an hour and a half, the Lord just began to just reveal things. No, it's Thursday, Thursday morning. It just began to reveal things to us, and it was like, oh my gosh, look at this, look at this, these revelations, but we're in the Word, we're praying, we're asking the Lord for revelation, and ask, don't forget to ask. There is this, there's something about asking, it talks about it in James, it says, ask for wisdom, and I'll give it to you freely. In, in Ephesians, it's that, it's that I pray that you would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Ask for that spirit of wisdom and revelation. But then get in the word and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. Okay. The third one is authority comes through obedience. And this is, 
this is a, a, another critical one, and I believe as we're talking about becoming overcomers, again, it's that it's through the obedience that actually authority is released. So we talked about it in the garden. We see the fall of man. Um, and this, this was the very, it's the very first act of disobedience that man loses authority and loses that, that place with the Father. But then this is really cool, is we have, by God's grace, he sends his son, right? Dies on a cross. He's the atonement for our sin. And, but before he does this, he lives a life on this earth. And it says that in everything, he's submitted to the Father's will. So we see what? We see a place of complete obedience in every way. Now he is, when he comes down, he actually releases his deity. He's not, he's not God. He's fully man on this earth. Yet he walks in authority like we've never seen before, right? Wherever he goes, people were healed. There's miracles being done. There's demons being cast out. There's people being raised from the dead. What is that? Why is that? There was an obedience that he walked in that was complete obedience to the Father. He understood the will of the Father and he actually walked in it. Those things that he did, it was not his will. It was not something where he goes, oh, I wanna, I wanna see that guy healed. No, it was the Father's will through him and he was being used of the Father to actually accomplish what the Lord desired to accomplish, what the Father desired to accomplish. He, he says, I only say and do what the Father would tell me and what the Father would show me. Everything was a submission to the Father. And this is what we're actually called to live. This is the life we're called to live. Uh, all right, Lord, let me just see where we go from here. I want you to see this. In Philippians 2.8, it says that he, being Jesus, he humbled himself and he became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. It was when Jesus actually was in his place of greatest obedience that it released the greatest authority and power on the earth. This was the point, and let me say this, let me go back. It's when you see in the Garden of Eden what happens is we actually have an act of disobedience which results in a surrender of authority. But what's really cool is God reestablishes something in the second garden. In the garden of Gethsemane, what he does is Jesus is in this garden and three times he prays. And he says, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. But not my will, but yours. So there was a struggle that Jesus actually went through. We go, well, Jesus never struggled. He actually did. There was temptations that he faced. Everything that we face today, he faced. There were things that he faced, but he says, but he did not sin. But in the garden, there were three times where he came to the Father and he asked for this cup to be taken from him. It was a struggle, but at the end, he said, not my will, but your will be done. And in this, this is where the decision was made to go to the cross, it wasn't actually made on the cross. It was made in the garden. And I, and I feel like the Lord's just telling us our decisions are to be made when we're in the secret place. When we're in our, when we're in our closets, when we're in our prayer rooms, when we're with the Lord, this is where the decisions are made. Where we say, okay, this is the life I'm going to live. I'm going to lay down my life for the Lord. 
It's not going to happen when you're carrying the cross and you're about to go up. That's not when the decision is made. The decision is made when it's you and God in the quiet place. And I'm hoping and I'm praying that we make that decision that we say, not my will, your will be done. The second time, what you see as well is the tree. When Eve takes the fruit from the tree, it's the knowledge of good and evil, right? What happens? That knowledge, that yada of good and evil is actually the experience of good and evil. She had experienced good. She hadn't experienced evil. And so what happened in that time was she actually, evil came in. Now what happens when the second tree, what do you see with the second tree? Is you've got, first of all, you have the fruit of disobedience. But when Christ comes and he hangs on the tree, that's the fruit of obedience which releases that authority back to us through Christ. That was that act of complete obedience to the Father. Last thing I want you to see here, and then we're going to close, is Actually, let me, let me say this. Yeah, let's go. Oh, thank you, Lord. Mm-hmm. Last thing is that we overcome by adversity. This is the fourth one I want us to hit on here. And nobody wants to hear this because you don't want to be in the middle of adversity, but it's actually through adversity that we overcome. And... In John 16, 33, it says, Jesus says this, in the world you will have tribulation. It's not a you may. It's not a, if, you know, if you're unlucky or if you're not in following in my will. No, you will have tribulation. But then he says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. That word for, word for tribulation, though, in the Greek, actually it also means persecution, affliction, and distress. So we go, ugh. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear this, right? Uh, there's a scripture too. It, if you go to Romans 8:37, we hear this all the time. We are more than conquerors through him who loves us, right? There's a first part to that that we actually skip over. And, and I want to bring this to your attention. If we can put that, I think we have that scripture. So in the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. No, not that one. Go to the next. I'm sorry. There we go. In all these things, this is the part that we need to see. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So what's in all these things? Can you put that one up, next one? Here they are. Trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, and sword, death. So (laughs) you're like, oh. I don't really like this scripture anymore. <laughs> I just ruined it for everybody. <laughs> I don't want to be more than a conqueror. Um, it's, it's in these things. It's not through these things, but it's actually, it's in these things that we're more than conquerors. When we face the trials, the tribulations, the hardships, the persecution, the famine, the nakedness, even death, in those things, we have to realize that in that, we are more than a conqueror. Because of Christ who loves us. But there are struggles, there are trials, there are tribulations that we're going to face. When I, I was talking to Christy about this, when I go to the gym and I work out, 
I could have two different mindsets. The first one would be like, well, this is horrible. Every time I go, it's, it hurts. It's heavy. These weights don't seem to get any lighter, right? And, and so, like, after a while, I'm going to be like, I'm out. Like, what a waste of time. <laughs> I'm just lifting these things for no reason. But when we have an understanding of what this is for, there's a greater, there's a greater purpose than just to go and, and be in pain, right? There's a greater purpose to go and grunt and go, oh, like I'm just lifting weights, <laughs> which, which if you see that in, in and of itself, you'd go, well, that's the dumbest thing ever. But the purpose is that we actually get stronger, that we get healthier, that our bodies are, are, are now strong, that our minds are more alert, that we're, we're in shape. And so there's, a, there's, a, there's kind of a, a, an ultimate purpose to the pain and the suffering you go through to get to that. Does, that, does this kind of make sense? You get that? Okay. I'm trying to get like that we would understand this. In James 1, 2 through 4, it says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face the trials of many kinds, because the testing of your faith, and here it is. So this is like consider it pure joy when you go to the gym and you lift those weights and it's so hard and it hurts because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And then he says, let that perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. This is what the Lord is trying to bring us into, is a place of maturity where we are fruitful in everything that we do, where, where we hear and we know the commands of the Lord and we walk in them, we walk in His will, and it, it, puts, it gives us that place of authority. When we walk in the will of God, we walk in authority wherever we go. We want to see people healed. We want to see miracles done. We begin to walk in his commands. We begin to do his will completely and totally. It's not a one foot in and one foot out. It's not a half obedience. Half obedience, there's so many places in the Bible, half obedience is disobedience. There's no half in, half out. It's all in or all out. It's, it's, when, it's, it's in Revelation where it says, man, I wish you'd rather be hot or cold. Because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Don't be half in and half out. Don't be half obedient in this stuff. There is a complete obedience that the Lord calls us to. And we have the grace of God and we have the Holy Spirit. We can't do this on our own. But when we submit to Him, when we submit to His will, when we understand His will and then we submit to it, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that He, he empowers us to walk in this. He empowers us and He gives us the mindset that we no longer see things in the, in the earthly standpoint, but we look in the eternal. We're looking at a, at a different perspective. It says, don't set, set your eyes on, on the earth. Set your eyes on things above. Set your heart and your mind on the things above, not on earthly things. Get your we got to get our stuff off of the earthly things. It's not about that. Let me, um, here's the scripture. I used it last week. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 says this. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us. In the, in the New King James, it says, are working for us. So these light and momentary troubles, these are the things that are working for us in eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Them all being all the troubles, the trials, the tribulations. And then it says, he says this, so fix your eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I want to just quickly show you this. There's when Paul's talking about this, when he says these light and momentary troubles, 
in our minds, we go, well, that's like the little bumps along the way. These are Paul's light momentary troubles. It's being imprisoned. It's being flogged. It's being whipped 39 times, five different times. It's being beaten with rods three times. It's being stoned. It's being shipwrecked three times. It's spending a day, a night and a day in the open sea. You guys ever see that movie? They're floating out in the ocean and the sharks are coming around. Every time I read that, I'm like, it's the picture I get. It's constantly being on the move. It's in, being in danger from rivers and from bandits and from their own countrymen and from Gentiles and in the city and in the country and at sea and from false brothers. It's going without sleep and it's being hungry and thirsty and going without food. These are the, the light and momentary troubles of Paul. Do any of us have greater troubles than that? <laughs> so I, I think the point is here is that it's a different mindset. We're no longer focused on our stuff. We're no longer looking inwardly and going, oh, I'm being so beat up. This, these, things are, these, these things are hitting me and I, I just need help. I need to get prayer to get out of these things. No, the Lord actually may be bringing you through those things. It's that actually embracing those things. Now, when it comes to sickness and things like that, I, I don't believe the Lord puts sickness on us to, to bring us through adversity. Um, but the Lord will use it. There's no question the Lord will use those things. He desires healing. I know He desires healing. Why people don't always get healed, I'm not going to try to explain that. I don't know. But we continue to pray for healing. But there are adversities that we're going to go through in life. There are trials, there are tribulations, there are things, and we need to say, okay, God, what are you doing in my life right now to strengthen me for the things that are to come? When Joseph, you know, Joseph in the coat of many colors, uh, when Joseph, at the age of 17, he has this amazing dream from the Lord that, that he's going to basically be like kind of like a king and above everyone and people are going to bow down to him. And he's like, this is awesome. What's the next thing that happens in his life? He's sold into slavery. Like if you go, wait a minute, like I just had this amazing dream and now I'm in slavery, like the complete opposite of the dream. But it was in that, it's in that adversity. And then he, then he goes, he gets Potiphar buys him and Potiphar's wife, he's, so Potiphar's the captain of the guard for Pharaoh. And Potiphar's wife, sweet young lady, she gets him in real trouble, talks to her husband, lies to her husband, and he ends up in the king's prison. But this is all part of God's plan. And we would go, oh man, this guy, is, he must be doing something wrong. No, there was actually 13 years of his life that was a preparation for what the Lord was going to use him for. And, and there's two ways to look at it. One way is to, is to like begin to just kind of speak those words that we should never speak that come against the will of God or to stay strong in Him, trusting in Him, knowing that, that these adversities and that these things in life are going to be used for good. That's Romans 8.28. And so in that, for, for Joseph, what happens is because he actually ends up in the king's prison, he has the opportunity to actually reveal a dream to, the Pharaoh, to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, the most powerful nation in the world. And he actually comes up. And in a moment's time, there's 13 years of hell that he goes through, but in a moment's time, he's taken into the second highest position in the world. Like, that is crazy. And so you never know when God's going to use you and move you into the position that you're called to be in. But there are adversities that he had to go through. There are things that he had to go through. 
If, at the age of 17, if he would have been put in that position, he would, have not, he would not have been ready. It was through the adversities, it was through the things that he went through that actually prepared him for the kingship that he walked into. So there's that being aware that we don't have all the answers. His ways are not our ways. But what we do is we obey his commands. We follow him. We trust in him. We go after him. And as we obey his will, we get into that alignment with him. There's an authority that's released. The timing of it is up to him. How he does it is up to him. All we do is want to align ourselves with his will. It's that, that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done. His will is, his kingdom comes when his will is done. And his will is done through us. We are actually the ones that release his will on earth. Why? Because he set it up like that. Part of his sovereignty is that we get to make the choice. So when God commands, guess who makes the command actually happen? It's us. We're the ones that do it. Last part of this I just want to say, so Romans 8.18 says, I consider that our present sufferings, they're not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us, in us, and through us. This is what Paul understood, and this is what we need to understand when it comes to adversity, that we allow the Lord to do what he wants to do in those things, and we stay close to him, and we trust in him in those times. Can you guys stand as we close here? And I want to read this scripture, and I just want to point out a few quick things here. Philippians 1, 20 through 24. Listen Listen to what Paul says here. I don't know if I have this one up on the screen. It's Philippians 1, 20 through 24. I'm going to read it out of the NLT version. He says, For I fully expect and I hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ. Whether I live or whether I die. For to me, living means living for Christ. And this is it. Living means living for Christ. And dying is even better. It's to live as Christ and to die as gain. It says, but if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Lord, I ask right now that you would give us that mindset. Lord, as we are, we groan to be with you. Our hearts desire to be with you. But there is a calling and a purpose for our lives on this earth. And while we're on this earth, that we would realize that your will is that all would be saved. And that comes through us. So Lord, I thank you that in this time that we have to live on this earth, which is such a short time in the span of eternity, such a short time, and that's why these are light and momentary troubles. They're just for a moment, but we have an eternal glory. We have an eternal perspective. Lord, that we would not allow our focus to be on the temporal things, but that we would focus on the eternal things. That we would understand the eternal timeline that we have with you through Christ. 
And Lord, that when we face adversities, that we would actually press into those things and know that those things are going to be used of the Lord for his good and for his purposes. Lord, that we would would have a hunger and a thirst to know you more. Lord, that you would fill us beyond measure with wisdom and understanding. Lord, that we would know your commands and that your commands are good. These are the good things for us. This is what you command these things because you are God, creator of us, and that when we walk in these ways, we walk in the fullness of your glory. Lord, reveal your glory to us in this season. May we glorify you with our lives, with everything that we have. May we surrender our lives to you totally and completely, not half in, not half out. May we be totally and completely surrendered to you. Lord, I thank you that you've called us to be overcomers. But it comes from knowing your commands. It comes from understanding your plan, walking in your ways, and having a mindset on things above and not on this earth. Lord, direct us, lead us, guide us by your spirit. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. I ask you for an empowerment by your spirit that we would walk in these things, that we would further engage in these things, and that we would know you, that we would yada you, that we would experience you in a deeper level. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. I pray your blessing over every person in this place. Lord, I ask that if there's anyone here this morning that does not know you, Lord, that this would be the moment where they say, I need to know that God. I need to know that Jesus that would lay his life down for me, that I could live in eternity with the Father, that I could have this eternal perspective. I just feel like I'm just going to ask that question right now. If, if you have either turned from the Lord and you've just kind of walked away from him, or if you've never accepted him as your Lord and Savior, I just want to give you that opportunity. I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but I am just going to ask you just to raise your hand as just an acknowledgement, just to say, Yes, Lord, I thank you for that hand. Yeah, thank you, Lord. I thank you for that hand as well. Lord, I thank you that you're just stirring hearts of people right now. Lord, that we would say yes to you plans. We would say yes to you, that this is a, from this moment forward, that we say we will live for you. So I just want to hold in this place. There are people that are just giving their life to the Lord right now. This is not just a prayer, it's not just words, but it's something that comes from our heart and it's the beginning of a walk with him. We begin to to realize that he is Lord and he is Savior, but that Lordship actually means that, that we no longer live for ourselves, but we actually live for him, completely sold out to him. And under the king's domain, we actually have, now we're under this kingdom of his domain that we know we, we're protected by the king's domain. But we're, in a sense, we're a servant to the Father. We're also called a friend to the Father. We're also called children of God. But there is something about serving Him, walking in obedience to Him. And and that is love. That love is obedience to the Father. So I want to just do this. We're just going to, you can, I can just have everybody repeat after me. I just feel like as we do this. And those that raise your hand, if you would just say this from your heart. So say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for your love. 
I thank you you died on a cross for me. I thank you that your blood covers all of my sin. I thank you that it is through your forgiveness that I now have right standing with the Father. I ask you for that forgiveness right now. Remove those sins from my life. I thank you that you do. I want to walk with you. I want to walk according to your commands. I want to live my life according to your plan. I thank you that I am your child now. And I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you just give those people a hand that just accepted Christ?